Thank you, music team, for leading us. That song is a song of my heart right now, and I thank you for guiding us in it. Um, as you may recall, last week we started a sermon series taking five weeks to explore our vision, and last week Michael led us so well through that as we looked to the vision statement. This week, we take this week and the next three weeks to look at our core values, um, opening this week with the core value of faith, which is a, a value that we define in this way. We live in prayerful reliance upon our God under the authority of His Word, joyfully trusting in His sovereign grace and mercy. I want us to explore this type of faith, a type of faith that uh, I believe is a childlike faith. And and in so doing, we're going to look this morning to Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. I invite you to join me there. Now, uh, kids, you you know I like to uh, talk to you before the, the sermon to give you a something to listen for. I'm gonna, it's going to be a little bit of a twist this morning because in addition to something that I want you to listen for, I, I think you may have something to offer. Uh, I often tell you to talk to your parents about the passage over lunch. I want you to teach your parents about this passage over lunch today, if that's okay. Because here's what I want you to listen for. Why is it that you can trust your parents? And how do you trust your parents? More importantly, how and why can we trust Jesus? Listen for that. With that, let's look to God's Word. This is the inerrant and infallible Word of God. And they were bringing children to Him that He might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. This is the word of the Lord. Would you bow with me in prayer? Oh, Father, you are a good and a mighty Father. And we come to you today as children, bringing simply our need. And we ask that you would meet us in this need with your word. Father, apart from you, apart from the blessing of your spirit, your word is mystery to us, so guide us in understanding, guide us in Christ, fill us with him, we pray, for it's in Jesus' name, amen. We're talking about faith, and so what is faith? If you look So the dictionary would give you a definition that faith is complete trust or confidence in someone 
or something. We, we can look and answer from a dictionary any word we so choose, but for that faith to actually be real, for it to be authentic, it's got to mean something. There's areas of our lives where we get this. There's areas of our lives where we understand and embrace and embody faith. There are many that we don't. This week I got on an airplane. <laughs> and as I reflected on that, um, that experience, um, I thought about it. You know, you, you walk down the, um, the, whatever it's called, the, the, the entrance ramp onto the airplane. And you walk through that little door onto the plane. And, and when you do, you generally turn right. Uh, and I did that. I got on the plane, I, I turned right and I went to my seat instead of turning left. You know, when I got on that plane, I didn't uh, go to the pilot and say, hey, tell me about your qualifications. I, w- I want to see your pilot's license. I didn't examine him about the training program that Delta puts the pilots through. No, I simply walked down that aisle and I sat in my seat, totally dependent, totally helpless, and yet happy. I didn't think about it. It wasn't a conscientious effort of putting my faith and trust in that pilot. I just did. Last Sunday, Michael preached well on sovereign grace. We talked about sovereign grace, and sovereign grace is the, is the truth that God, according to His own purpose, by his own doing, has chosen and has affected our salvation. Jesus did it all. We did nothing but receive. That is grace, and it is sovereign grace. And by that sovereign grace, the Lord our God has brought us from death to life. A life that is lived in Jesus He did it all, and we are in Him. And so faith, we take it out of the dictionary and put it in our context, could be defined as walking in sovereign grace. It's confidence, it's a trust in Jesus that what He has said, He has actually done and accomplished. And so we live in it. Now, if you were listening closely, and I know you always do, as I read this text, you did not hear the word faith. You didn't hear it. It wasn't there. But I hope what you heard was something maybe better. You heard a picture. You heard an image. Of that faith, you heard an image of childlike faith. It was a scene painted for us. A scene that we actually find in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke. And in that scene, there was, there was an action, there was a reaction, and there was a correction. Let's start with the action. They were bringing children to him. They 
the parents. The ones of childlike faith in this passage were actually the parents. Luke tells us that the children in this text were infants. The infants didn't walk to Jesus. The parents were the ones who brought the children to Jesus. It's, it's really a, a poignant scene. Jesus is saying, come to me like a child. But those children weren't coming. The parents were bringing the infants with the faith that was childlike and dependent. Why did they do that? Well, they, they had heard about Jesus. They had heard about His teaching. They had heard about the miracles that He was working. Perhaps they had even heard Him preach and teach Himself. And they were drawn to the message of the kingdom of God. A message that Jesus proclaimed, which was, which was an upside-down kingdom. The way up is the way down. I don't think these parents understood everything that they had heard. I do not think that the parents understood what they were doing in bringing their children to Jesus. But they came seeking blessing, trusting that he both could and would provide it. That was the action in the scene. Parents being childlike in bringing their children to Jesus. But then there was a reaction. The disciples saw all of this and they rebuked them. What do you think was going on in that rebuke? You know, on some level, perhaps they were trying to protect Jesus. I want to be very careful. I don't want to throw the disciples under the bus here. I mean, let's face it, Jesus was a busy man. He had important business to attend to. There were crowds coming, and on some level, the disciples might have thought that their role was to be his handlers and to keep those crowds away so that he could attend to this important calling. Maybe that's what was going on. They didn't want the people to bother Jesus, but maybe there was a little bit more of an edge to the rebuke. After all, Children, or more specifically the infants, they weren't useful. They brought no benefit to the ministry. Children just got in the way. Or maybe it wasn't so much an edge as a skepticism. After all, this... This touching, this blessing, is it really going to do any good? Why are we going to the trouble to do this little exercise, Jesus? What's the point? I don't know. I don't know what stirred the disciples to rebuke the parents, but for whatever reason, or maybe for all the reasons, they did so. They rebuked the parents for bringing the children and tried to send them away. So, so there's the scene, or the opening of the scene, the action and the reaction, but then there's the correction. In the correction, Jesus extends an invitation to childlike faith. 
verses 14 and 15. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. We've been saying this is a scene that happened. Jesus was speaking to a direct audience that day. And yet, in speaking to that direct audience, he's also speaking to us today. And I want us to think about his words in, in terms of an application. But we need to think about it an application for us as individuals and as a church. As we said last week, as persons and as a people. Because this message applies on both levels. First, to all, Jesus says, come as a child. He actually opens by saying, to such belongs the kingdom of God. Who are such? Who are the such here? Who are the such here? What are the markers of such? The markers of a child who simply knows they've got a need. A child who, who embraces that need and who actually has the audacity to believe and trust that Jesus can answer that need. Such are those who come to him who take hold of his hand without having all the answers, without having this whole interaction figured out, without knowing where we're going with this, but just knowing that Jesus has the answer. I don't have to have it. It's such. Sometimes, oftentimes, such are those who are stricken with fear, who are stricken with anxiety, who have nowhere else to turn. You know this. Children don't have this need fully articulated. They don't give us a great reasoning for their need. What, what are their needs? They, they're sleepy. They're tired. They're hungry. They're scared. And so what do they do? They, they don't say, hey, I, I need something to fit this need. No, they scream out. They cry. They pitch a fit. What do we do? We don't have it all articulated. And our need, we just know there's a brokenness that we can't fix. Sometimes we lash out. We cry out. We pitch a fit. But Jesus is there saying, come. Such are the children, the messy, beautiful children, as well as all those who in humble trustfulness are like them. And to such belongs the kingdom of God. The child didn't earn the kingdom. The child simply receives it, accepts it with a, with a beautiful simplicity. You know, when you give a child a present, most children, at least children, not teenagers and certainly not adults, when you give them a present, they, they don't ask where you bought it. They don't try and clarify the terms of accepting this gift. No, they just receive it and they open it with joy. That's what Jesus is calling us to do, to receive the kingdom 
need the kingdom. And that need is important. It's part of what Jesus is saying here. We, we tend to think of, of children, particularly infants in our culture, as cute and innocent. They're cuddly. In Jesus' day, they were a means to an end. They brought nothing to the table except for the hope that they might grow up one day and help the family provide. The children were a nuisance. All they had was need. Jesus is not, and as one author wrote, only empty hands can be filled. There's another point that we need to understand, and it's called a childlike faith. Jesus is calling us to come like a child, but he's not coming, calling us to be childish. Nowhere in the text and nowhere in Scripture is Jesus rejecting the study of God's Word. Nowhere is He rejecting our, our growing in our gifting. Nowhere is He rejecting wise planning. No. He's not rejecting those things. He's just calling us not to trust in them. He's calling us to walk in faith. It's part of the application for us uh, as uh, persons is to come as a child, but how about us as a people? It's this, to be a church that invites children. We also need to heed Jesus' rebuke. The disciples saw the children and the parents who brought the children as an annoyance Jesus responded to those disciples with indignation, sharp anger. It, it makes me wonder, did something change for the disciples? Would there have been a time when they would have thought differently? Would there have been a time when they would have welcomed the children or at least childlike people? And if so, what changed in them? Could it have been their, their place in the inner circle, their, pra- their place of, of privilege with Jesus? Might they have begun to feel like they deserved it and that others didn't? Might they have begun to see those others who didn't deserve it as lesser, unproductive, People, those people who were a nuisance, it's all conjecture, I don't know. But we've got to think about it and consider it and guard against it. Because with the rebuke that Jesus offers, there is also an instruction. Do not hinder. Do not hinder. He's, he's talking to the disciples, but he's talking to Christ's church. We, we say that our core value, one of our core values is is. The core value of faith is a call for us to be a church that not only comes with childlike faith, but that welcomes children, that welcomes those who don't have it all figured out, to welcome those who aren't productive, to welcome those who don't have a graduate degree in theology, to welcome those who are messy. That's, I believe, what Jesus is calling the disciples and the disciples at Christ's church to be. 
And in so doing, let us recognize that all those people, those messy, broken people, Jesus welcomed them. He touched them. He blessed them. And we are them. (laughs) We are them. So back to the core value of faith. We have our vision plan, and much of it is written out on the back page of your bulletin. You can see it there, but the core value of faith, we summarize in two words, reliant and rejoicing. To be reliant is is to rely. It's to actually acknowledge that we are relying on God, not on our religious practice. And that's an important distinctive, particularly given the application I'm about to to give. We're not reliant on the things that we do. We are reliant upon the God who provides. Let me put it this way. Our faith is a supernatural faith. Let that sink in. Our faith is supernatural. In a materialistic world, we are making an unapologetic claim of the supernatural that the Lord God Almighty, by the very power of His Word, spoke matter into being. That He created all that we see, all that we touch, and He did so by the power of His Word, and He didn't stop there. He continues to sustain His creation. God is at work. That is a supernatural faith. And when we proclaim it, when we live in it, We are saying and hopefully embodying the truth that we are dependent wholly upon Him. We are children coming to Him for bread. So while we're not reliant upon the things that we do, we are reliant upon Him through those things that we do. Here's what I mean. The core value of faith means that we are people under the Word. Now, when Michael and I stand up here in this pulpit to preach, we make a radical statement. We tell you that this is the inerrant and infallible Word of God. That God spoke it and He didn't make a mistake. Any mistakes. That is a radical statement. And if that is true and we believe with all of our being it is, then this word must be an authority in our lives. To be a people of faith means that we are childlike in our dependence upon the word of God. That walking in sovereign grace is believing that his word actually has the power to shape us to bless us, to guide us, to transform us. So simple childlike faith is lived out under the authority of the Word of God, not trusting in the religious practice of Bible reading, but trusting in the power of God, the Father, to bless His children through His Word. The Word is a marker for us as individuals and us as a church childlike faith, but also prayer, that ours is a supernatural faith, means that we are unashamed 
in our belief in prayer. We are a people, persons and a people, who live under the authority of God, totally dependent upon Him. So we ask. It's, it, it's that simple. The child comes to the parent and asks. We come to the Father and ask. We've been preaching through 1 Kings, and you know, maybe you've noticed patterns in 1 Kings. One of the patterns is, well, there's a lot of sin patterns, but one of the sin patterns in 1 Kings is that the kings chose not to rely on the Lord, but to rely on foreign nations. Now, it shows up a couple of ways in Kings. One of those ways is that they made marriage alliances. They, they went and married uh, the daughter of Pharaoh. They, they married the, the daughter of the Sidonian king because they were seeking the favor of those nations that they might trust in them. It's one of the ways. The other way was they just blatantly bribed those nations, asking for help from their armies. But in doing these things, rather than relying on the God who created heaven and earth, they're, they're seeking help from the pagan world. But when we pray... Asking the God who spoke it all. And we're placing our trust in Him. Saying our Father can provide. And we're coming to Him as needy children. As a needy child comes to a loving Father. Simple, childlike faith is lived out under the authority of God in prayer. Not trusting in the religious practice of praying but trusting in the power of the Father to bless through prayer. That is to be a marker for us as individuals and as a church, as persons and as a people of childlike faith. We emphasize word and prayer in our core value statement. I hope this is not new for you, but I'd like to share one more way in which we live out childlike faith. I hope you were here last Sunday night when we gathered to, to celebrate our 11th anniversary. It was a sweet night for, for us to enjoy being together. It was, a, it was a sweet night to be reminded of the Lord's provision over the past uh, 11 or 12 years and throughout our life. As we gathered to enjoy a meal and fellowship, we also... We watched a series of, of videos that, that summarized our, uh, our, our core values. But you were the ones starring in those videos. Actually, Jesus was starring and you were pointing us to him. Uh, Miss Bobby Harper shared with us about the core value of faith. And she talked about her experience in word and prayer, but... I didn't prompt her for this, by the way. Uh, she added another element of our living out childlike faith. It was in giving. Bobby talked about when she and her husband first heard about the tithe and that the tithe belonged to God. She, she said that she and her husband were nervous about that because they didn't have much extra money. But they wanted to be obedient, and so they, she said they prayed over the check. And they trusted the Lord to provide. 
And she went on to describe the joy and the peace they found in experiencing His provision through obedient trusting. It's a beautiful picture of childlike faith that is lived out as we trust in the Lord to provide and we obediently and joyfully give the tithe as faithful stewards of all that belongs to the Lord. Again, giving is a marker for us as individuals and as a church, as, as persons and as a people of childlike faith. Reliant was the, was the first of those two words, but rejoicing is the second. The message of the kingdom is radically different here in this discussion of rejoicing than the message of the world. You see, the world tells us that joy comes in our independence. The world tells us that we will find joy when we can become unhinged from the dock. I don't need to trust in anyone. I am financially secure, needing no one or nothing. There, when I find that type of financial independence, I'll find joy. That's the message of the world. The message of the kingdom tells us something different. That rather than being free of need, true joy is found in embracing our need and experiencing our God's abundant, lavish, daily provision. Because our God delights to provide for His children. And in our experience of that provision, as we need it, we experience true joy. We also see Jesus' joy in this text in providing that to his children. He's not bothered. He's not hurried. He simply takes the children up in his arms. He lays his hands on them. He blesses them. And in the whole scene, it exudes joy, the joy of a Savior who delights in his children. I'm reminded of a powerful statement from five years ago when our vision team was was praying through this vision. We were guided by a pastor named Shelton Sanford, and he exhorted us to be radiant Christians. He was calling us away from a dour, somber Christianity to a Christianity that is more authentic and joy-filled. But to be radiant means to radiate. And to radiate understands that we're, there's another source. Jesus is the source. We're called to radiate Jesus. Because true joy comes from emptying ourselves of self and coming to Jesus empty-handed like a child and being filled with Him. This childlike, radiant Christianity is what we mean by faith. In the beginning, I asked how we define faith. We, we got our way around to defining it as walking in sovereign grace like a child. I'd like to close with a picture of childlikeness. Richie Sessions is a, is a pastor, a former RUF campus minister at Vanderbilt University, and he once offered one of the sweetest, most simple explanations and illustrations of this childlikeness that I have ever heard. 
He was talking about when his children were, were young. He had a young son who he liked to wake up early, particularly on Saturday mornings, as young children often like to do. But his, his child would, would not come barge into the door. He, he would just go and sit and wait in the kitchen. He would climb up in his high chair and just wait on his daddy to show up. And so and he would talk, Richie talked about making his way into the kitchen, and there's his son patiently waiting in the high chair, and he'd tell him good morning. And he said his son would just look up at him with a smile on his face and say, Hey, Daddy, can I have some cereal? And there it is. There's no malice, no anxiety, no fear, just a trust. His father loved him. His father was able to provide cereal. And so he asked, like a child, isn't it the right picture of childlike faith? Isn't it the right picture of what we're called to? And isn't it the beautiful picture of a God who is able and who delights in his children? Brothers and sisters, this is the provision that we have in Christ Jesus. And this is the access we have through Christ Jesus to our Heavenly Father. And we have all of that because by His sovereign grace, He has loved us with an eternal love. And so let us be childlike in our faith. Let us be reliant upon and rejoicing in our triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we love you, and yet sometimes we don't, like children. But you are steadfast. And so would you give us an ability to trust? a supernatural ability to trust. And even in those times when we don't trust, would you supernaturally provide? And this we ask for your glory and our good. In Christ's name, amen.